they're singing Happy New Year. You just want to lay down and die. Those were the lyrics <laughs> that I thought went to 3090 from Tick, Tick, Boom, the musical. But I then remembered it's Happy Birthday. <laughs> well, yeah. Um... Because 2024 is the year that Lex and I both turned both 30. Turned 30. So... So, um... And the year that I turned decade older than 30 30 again <laughs> <laughs> i turned yeah. 39 for the second time welcome to round two of your 30s um but no happy very belated well not very belated but happy belated new year um this is the culture cabinet podcast and today cabinet podcast cabinet welcome to the craw club cabinet um we uh, serve crabby patties all day we are the uh welcome to the crusty crab um <laughs> today we are going to be breaking down some of our favorites of 2023 favorites of film tv music books candies whatever we want um <laughs> whatever we want to put in the culture crab in it in the culture crab in it um however you like to stack your crabby patty is just fine by us Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm here today with my two favorite <laughs> Krusty Krab employees of the month. <laughs> Love you, Ethan Slater. Oh, year. Um, <laughs> um, That's and, a choice thing to say this year. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Um, just kidding. No, we don't. <laughs> Dan, Dan, how are you? I'm great, Lexi. How are you? Uh, this new year is treating me so well. <laughs> so um, well. I've had a wonderful start to the new year. Um, there it actually has been a decent start. Like, um, yeah, it definitely hit like a very big bump in the road. But um, amidst all that, um, some exciting things have happened. Um, by the time this podcast is released, we'll have released our first um music feature for Culture Cabinet. Um, Ooh. one of hopefully many. So excited for that. Um. But yeah, it's as Nicole and I were saying just yesterday. Well, Nicole was saying it. I was going, sure. Uh 2024 is our year. So it's our year, baby. It's our time. And I, I feel like the way in which my year is really epitomized by the fact that I'm like, this is the year I turned 30, and I am currently holding in my hand my inflatable microphone I just got from the mean girls uh movie party at alamo draft house um and i'm acting like it's a real microphone so here we are here's she's leaning into it when she's speaking i am like also why wouldn't you i'm committed so i want for everyone to imagine me with an inflatable pink microphone this whole episode um and maybe honestly imagine me with it for every episode yeah i was gonna say you should just have it all the time that should be your podcast microphone from now on yeah i mean We'll give everyone a moment to visualize Nicole holding an inflatable pink microphone. And I am going to say that later what I want to do is do the Sabrina Carpenter feather dance with this microphone. Um, that's what I'm putting in the culture cabinet, first of all, is oh. Sabrina Carpenter's little, like, kick dance to the song Feather. That's, yeah, that's a fair thing. Yeah. I, on the next episode we record, well, I have a working pink microphone that automatically voice. Um, oh, I will use it incredible. to record our next episode. Please. <laughs> Please do. Please like, do. Welcome. 
why have I never seen this before? Right? Well, so the reason I bought it is because I often house sit for my parents. And oh, wait, I remember this. Okay. Mm-hmm, I get um a little creeped out by how quiet it gets in that house. And so I'll sing to myself um to like help me feel better by how quiet it is. So the last time I house sat for them, I was like, well, I should just go all out then. So I went to buy a karaoke machine, ended up just buying this microphone, but it Bluetooths to your phone and will play oh through God. a little speaker. And I found the entire score of Great Comet karaoke version. And Incredible. honest to God, I Let's sat see. down on the floor and sang all like 37 songs from Great Comet, <laughs> start to finish. I looked um, like two and a half hours had passed. This is incredible. I need specifically to hear your rendition of the opera from the Great Comet. <laughs> yes, on that microphone. I need I to hear. The, like, la, 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 like I, I need, yeah, thing. I need like the like weird like whale noises. Basically, <laughs> I remember just I get to the finale and I was like into a new life, and then I like looked up and was like, "What the fuck did I just do with the last?" <laughs> You had the best time of your life. That's what you did. I dissociated real hard. (laughs) That's what we call a hyperfixation. (laughs) (laughs) I've spent less time on Lego sets. Um, In the words of Renee Rapp, uh, ADHD. (laughs) Seriously. I will Um, say, speaking of Great Comet, though, mm -hmm, the first thing that I would like to put in the culture cabinet is... Here oh. Lies Love on Broadway, which sadly closed like a week after I saw it. No, um, no. But what did you truly, do to it, Dan? The, the spirit of Great Comet is alive and well. <laughs> it well, is actually, like, it doesn't sound like it's alive no, before. not currently, but like I'm talking the spirit it of it. Okay, the <laughs> spirit of it because like they completely like gutted the Broadway theater and turned it into a club and oh. it was awesome were it there was... really intense um there were <laughs> really intense lights I don't remember if there were like strobes specifically there probably were but wait can you share a bit more of what the show is about because i yes. feel like a lot of people listening won't know because i feel oh, like everyone absolutely. i've seen is yeah. confused about it <laughs> so here lies love is a musical that is like your favorite musical les miserables based on a concept album by um david byrne and Flatboy Fatboy slim which is basically like oh. a like disco retelling of the story of Imelda Marcos. It's amazing. That um, sounds so fun. It is it's it's really it's a strange show. It is like <laughs> that is just a very, very strange story to set to club music. But it works because the the how of how thoroughly they 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 can figure the show within the space and like it is I was you could like stand on the dance floor and they like move you around as the set pieces move around and the performers oh, move around yes. you but I was like I'm not I don't want to stand 
for theater. <laughs> that that's not my thing. Yeah. So we I we were seated in the in the balcony, but it was mm. still the show was still happening all around us. And there were people oh, like there like there is a moment where like Marcos is like giving a political speech and he like gets up in front of the balcony where we were sitting on a podium and is giving a speech like he's at a political rally like and we are his people it it, it was so well done so well done I love and, immersive um, theater. and uh the the gal who played Imelda who I'm getting the program right now so I can like <laughs> properly um credit her um ariel jacobs oh i saw her in aladdin absolutely fantastic i i know that like it's tough to get like tony nominations when your show has closed but my god she deserves it she deserves it she was she's incredible the singing the dancing the acting well woo yeah but it was so All cool right. and like i said like it i it felt like great comet because like it exploded the fourth wall just like that show did and it made me very very happy i love that i have two theater things from this year that i or from like 2023 that i want to put into the culture cabinet um one is uh i did already have it on my list i have a handy dandy notes app list um for what I want to put into the cabinet. Uh, but Lex's shirt also reminded me. No. Um, Don't take it from me, no. Well, we can all talk about it together because we should all be it's doing it Molly in the cabinet 2. together. <laughs> um, I'll discuss the Broadway revival of Sweeney Todd. I mean, it was our first podcast. It was. It was. I think I'm actually putting uh, that podcast it. in the yes. cabinet as well. <laughs> that was yes. <laughs> Um, but no, it was like, it's so good. I still think about it on like at least a weekly basis. And also while we're bringing things in the cabinet, that cast album is so good. Oh my God. I would like to take this opportunity. Nicole knows this information. Dan does not. On March 2nd, (laughs) I will be seeing it again. But no, I I did know this. You did? Oh, I I I think you did tell me. I forgot I told you. Well, on March 2nd, Aaron Tveit is going to come out of that fog and go, attend the tenor because he's a tenor. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to go, how dare you stand where he stood? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. How do I also get a ticket for this performance? Wait, I will. Um, I'll just make a witness. Lex take on. Yeah. Like, watch me fist fight Aaron Tveit. He would kill me. But right hook, right. Well, hook, no, right because hook. I, because, but I want, but I need to do the same thing for for Sutton. Like, as look, I mean, Sutton's my girl. You know, bunheads forever. But it's it's odd casting, and she is a pale imitation of Emily Ashford. This, this is not shade at anyone. Okay, this is yeah. not shade at anyone. It's not the producers. I, it's not that I dislike Aaron Tveit. It's just that I love Josh Groban. I don't own an Aaron Tveit t-shirt. Um, well, it's also that I believe Foster in not. I believe in casting people like of the right vocal type. I mean, yeah, but I'm every sure time there is that. I try to like imagine what Sun Foster is going to sound like in this role, and I try to like convey it to people. I end up sounding like Patty Lapone, who did yep. play Mrs. Lovett. I know. Yeah. But, like, I was talking to my friend just last night about this, and I was like, 
the worst pies in London. Like, it's. Do you think that she'll also manage to touch every single accent from the UK? I mean, Annalise does take. That was the brilliant part of Annalise's performance. Like. Annalise, Mrs. Lovett said, where am I from? Everywhere. You like to know, weather boy. <laughs> I, um, no. I'm thinking, like, I don't know. I, I start giggling at the thought of the final scene with those two. Because if it's anything oh, like, gosh. again, we're not shading anyone, but if it's anything no. like Aaron's performance at the end of Moulin Rouge. Oh, God. <laughs> Where my dad, Please. I looked at my, I saw Moulin Rouge with my dad for the first time. I saw Moulin I Rouge with my mom. And during Satine's death scene, my dad went, he seems upset about the wrong part. And <laughs> I just could see him being like, oh my God. He lived. You knew my Lucy lived from the moment I walked into your shop. You knew my Lucy lived. <laughs> and Sam Foster's like, I was only thinking of you. <laughs> it's gonna. Be... <laughs> and then after he throws her into the fire, he's gonna be like, "There was a barber and his wife." <laughs> because <laughs> he options up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cry. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm not shading Aaron Tveit. Um. Anyway. Look, no shade to Tony winners, Aaron Fate and Sutton Foster. They are clearly um, talented Fate people. We just question their Award. properness anyway. in these roles. Um, <laughs> Jen, don't get friend, me started. My <laughs> friend, Aaron Tveit, is her biggest celebrity crush. I bought her a mug for her birthday that said, if your name's not Aaron Tveit, I don't want to talk to you. Um, <laughs> she said... That when Aaron won the Tony, he looked like a Make-A-Wish kid. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean by that? And she's like, his, his way too big. Yep. It was. Like, it let's was. be honest. And also, he never should have won that Tony. Thank you. Which um, leads me to a question that I have for the two oh? of you. Because okay. I have not watched this yet, but I trust y'all. Uh, is Percy Jackson and the Olympians in the culture cabinet? It was in the culture cabinet when it was still being filmed. Um, Listen, if there's one thing about me, it's that I ride or die for my boy Percy Jackson. Perseus Mm -hmm. Jackson, if he has no fans, I'm dead. Um, Thing is that I trust Rick above all other authors above all other creators rick has never let me down and rick is involved in the making of this tv show um and it's perfect it's quite literally perfect mm-hmm. um if anyone has any notes on it that's cool i don't want to hear them uh, <laughs> <laughs> lynn miranda playing hermes is the coolest thing that's ever happened to television um mostly because if I was Luke Castellan and that was my dad, I too would be like, it's time to take down the gods. Um, <laughs> but it's literally perfect so far. I cannot wait for the last three episodes. I'm also watching my sister like get obsessed over the ship to end all ships, Persebeth. Um, and I'm like, babe, I've been here for like, it, it's literally the life <laughs> I stayed here. Um, I'm like, I am still at that restaurant. Uh, <laughs> I never left <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's perfect. It's firmly in the culture cabinet and I hope that it gets all five of its seasons like they're hoping for. 
um, because it's everything I've ever wanted. Um, speaking of my sister, Hannah, uh, my other theater thing to put into the cabinet is the uh, theater in the park production of A Christmas Carol here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Awesome. Lex knows what I'm talking about. She um, sure does. This year was very special because, so this production's been going for 50 years with Ira David Wood playing Scrooge. Oh. He also wrote the show. Um, for those who are not from North Carolina and don't know Ira David Wood, uh, you might know him better as Evan Rachel Wood's dad. Um, and, and she made a cameo the night we saw it. She did make a cameo the night that we saw it. Um, my sister has shared a stage with her. She is apparently absolutely lovely. Her brother is oh, also God. incredibly lovely and talented, as is her father. Um, I stand that whole family. They are truly as lovely as you could hope that they were. Um, and also my sister, for the first time, was in like a big theater production. Um, they had a run at the theater where I work, which was very special. Uh, and Lex and I got to see her play, not a cratchit, but a chimney sweep. Um, but told my and mom also a that, featured dancer. I told my mom I was going to see Hannah in a Christmas Carol. My mom said, "Who's <laughs> playing?" And I didn't know. And something about me is sometimes my brain just fills in blanks, and I shouldn't do that. And so I went, "Oh, she's playing a young Cratchit. <laughs> she's playing a featured dancer." I would like to say that when yes. we saw that show, we were sitting next to this grandma who oh, recently yeah, had a knee replacement. Oh, yep. and so. I spotted Hannah every time because I've got a great eye. But yep. um one of like the first times she came out on stage, Nicole like leaned over and she was like, she's she's like burst from the left or like whatever. And this grandma like leans over and is like, Who do you know someone in the show? And so she, Nicole's like, Oh, my sister, she's right there. And so then every time Hannah came on stage, like Nicole would have to point out where she was to this grandma. Oh no. That is the cutest thing ever. Especially because yes. she also told me at intermission that my sister is uh, very talented and very pretty. Um, mm. Which if you know my sister, you know how much she enjoyed that. Um, whenever I relate it to her. So yeah, that grandma is firmly within the culture cabinet. And I would like to have her review any show she ever wants to. Listen, if you're that grandma who sat next to us, um, you're welcome to review anything you'd like for culture cabinet. Please come on to the show. I'll review whoever replaced your knee. Like, it's... <laughs> also, like... Have... Well, no, I was going to say that... I mean, maybe this is jumping the gun a little. Because we're kind of talking about theater stuff right now. But, like... Yeah. Having, you know, a random older lady say that your sister is pretty... Made me think of one of the best scenes in any movie this year... Um, in Barbie, when Margot oh, Robbie oh. tells legendary costume designer oh. Anne Roth, mm -hmm. who is in the culture cabinet for life, yes, that she's yes. pretty, and Anne Roth says, "I know it. I know it. I didn't know and where you were going with that for a second. Dana. Barbie in the culture cabinet. <laughs> Barbie's absolutely in the culture cabinet. The thing about the culture cabinet is that anything that Greta Gerwig directs." gets an automatic seat in it like we could kick it out if we wanted to but it, it gets it a reserved in. place yeah, yeah exactly. um no i was gonna say if, does anyone else have any other theater that they want to discuss before we like jump ship and talk about some movies i saw yeah. in 2023 yeah she's counting i think on, i'm counting One, <laughs> yeah. um lex is counting folks i saw five broadway shows in you go. 
2023. Of those five, three were Sweeney Todd. I was about to say how many of those were Sweeney Todd. So we already (laughs) talked about, I just would like to say, listen, by the time this podcast airs, our dear Josh and Annalie will have left. Not going to that great big barber shop in the middle of the earth. (laughs) Going. It's gonna be like in Greece where they get the barn fly. They're gonna get in the barber chair and flow. <laughs> slide down, slide on down. And um, I just I'm heartbroken. I'm gutted. I would just before that happens, um, if we had the rights to Sarah McLaughlin's "I Will Remember You," I would play it right now as we reflect on Josh Groban's epiphany. Oh my God. Just I've never I've never seen anything like it. I'll never see anything like it again. My grandchildren will one day be like, "What was 2020s like?" And I'll be like, "Josh Groban's epiphany." Um, <laughs> that tracks a grandmother talking about Josh, Josh Groban. Yeah, Groban, that's never been done before. Um, but no, I just Josh Groban joke in the Percy Jackson musical. Is there really? Yeah, there is. In the oh musical, yeah. Well, I'm never going to see that. So, <laughs> It's on the cast album. I'll play it for you sometime. Okay. For Christmas, I would just like to say, I would just like to brag yeah. on myself for a hot second because this was a <laughs> good Christmas present. Um, yeah, I got Nicole a signed copy of the Percy Jackson musical cast album on vinyl. A signed what? copy signed by the cast. Yeah. That by is, my beloved that is like Carol, an... who should have Aaron's face. It's like all time gift. Yeah, it was, it yeah. Was pretty good, if I may say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying um, to think, like theater wise though. Did I discover anything? Because I think there's also something to be said for things like we discovered in 2023. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I will say, um, I saw Gutenberg the musical oh, with who, who was your Drew Reynolds and Josh Gad. It was Diana Agron. Okay. <gasps> which like was okay. Um. I'm really shocked Damn. Nicole gasped that loud when she has. I was too. <laughs> but okay. I okay. First of all, I've heard the song "Wonderland" by Taylor Swift. Um, second of all, I I have a story later that I'll tell you. Anyway, that that is the funniest time I had in any theater, the cinema, watching a movie or watching a play I, all year. I like never stop laughing the whole time so 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 funny and the two of them are insane completely insane i i don't know how they manage like hopping back and forth between characters and vocal registers and like dancing all over the stage i i would be i don't know how they do it eight times a week i i would be dead they gave my favorite celebrity interview of 2023 and interviewing i've sent nicole nine million tiktoks from it I like Wait, I which like one? And Josh Gad, but I'm not like stands, but nothing has made me laugh harder than this. It's Vanity Fair and they're interviewing each other. Oh, and yes, yes. And that was so good. Do I have? And Josh Gad goes, Do you slut? Yes. And he goes, No, trash can. It's four. Do you slut? Do you slut? No, you trash can. It's four. Trash can. Um, 
Like, yeah, no, I that interview goes in the culture cap. That interview goes yeah. in the culture cap. And if you're listening and you're like, I love Andrew Rannell so much, I have some content for you. Um, <laughs> this was many years too late, but I don't care. Um, the side by side by Susan Blackwell on Broadway.com, um, mm. with the cast of falsettos, yeah, is a great video. Brandon Uranowitz tells my favorite story of all time. Um, but the only reason I bring that up is because in that Andrew Reynolds mentions like doing voices for Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> and he talks about how like he would have to go do ADR for just like scenes where they would like be dodging like rocks or something. Yeah. And so he'd be like, whoa! And so every time he talks, <laughs> that's all I can hear is him just like, whoa! whoa! <laughs> that's really good. Yep. That was a little blast from the past 2016. Wow. <laughs> Um, well in that case yeah so welcome back to the future which was a musical that came on broadway this year but i didn't see it it, it did indeed um anyways back to barbie <laughs> yeah so do we want to segue then to movies yes I feel let's like, do I feel it like, yeah let's let's go there okay because um, i don't think there was anything that was more like defining of culture in yeah. 2023 than the phenomenon that was Barbenheimer. The thing is that the summer of 2023 to me will always be girlhood as defined by Barbie and Taylor Swift's Eras tour. And also, like, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. I loved Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. That was cute. I so good. love reclaiming girlhood and all of us. Like women who I feel like are like in the millennial age bracket where it feels like a lot of us did not get to embrace girlhood when we were girls because it was still seen as like lesser than um reclaiming that a little bit and being like I'm gonna wear pink to go see the movie Barbie and guess what it's one of the best movies of the year and if you think that it's about hating men that just means that you have bad media literacy so yeah read a book Uh, or something i mean i think margot robbie just put it perfectly in the when she accepted the golden globe for that i mean the stupid cinematic and box office achievement golden globe which what the does that even had 17 nominees i don't know but that each got like a 20 minute presentation for some reason but like nothing twice as long as for the actual best picture but whatever whatever it doesn't matter but like i think she put it perfectly when she's like we made this movie for you for all of you for the audience and thank you to everyone who showed up in pink and loved it thank you to greta and to margo and to noah bomback and to ryan gosling i was gonna say thank you to ryan gosling Mm -hmm. okay so like not just as the movie in the culture cabinet and the album is in the culture cabinet, but the also album, my God. Ryan Gosling doing press for Barbie <laughs> is in the culture cabinet because Ryan Gosling as Ken is in the culture like, cabinet. Like Sublime is just Sublime. Sublime. You know what's in the culture cabinet is um, Issa Rae going. Are you guys watching The Godfather? Um, <laughs> I say that all the time. Now. Yes, um, but also just energy is in the culture cabinet. The way that, like, hello, where did that even come from? But they ran with it. 
like Brian Gosling took that and ran with it. And he was like, I will become Ken. Like, mm-hmm. this is the only method acting that I approve of. And it's Brian Gosling yeah. becoming Ken. Uh, I think that that he was He found actually, his Ken energy. I think it, it was really sublime of him. <laughs> I recently rewatched it, like, just, like, the other day. And I forgot how funny the scene is where he shows up to the hospital and is like, can I talk to a doctor? <laughs> yep. Like, I am a doctor. And he's like, no. No, no you're not. Give me a scalpel. <laughs> a scalpel and a clicky pen. <laughs> He's but, so funny in that. Like, um, speaking of, um, I'm I'm trying to delicately decide how I want to phrase this. Speaking okay. of like performances that maybe took me by surprise, because okay. I wasn't expecting to enjoy Ryan Gosling's performance as much as I did. Yeah, same. Um. Zach Afron in the Iron Claw. Yes. And I would like to speak my truth. What I... a great performance. I don't believe in gatekeeping. I think gatekeeping is <laughs> silly. I will gatekeep Jerry Trainer, but that's not who we're here to talk about today. <laughs> so I, I don't mean this in a gatekeeping way. Okay. I need to make that so clear. And Zach what are you Afron, going to say? Zach Afron's a weird person to gatekeep. <laughs> Yeah. There is something, and I need to also make it clear, I'm setting this up for so long. In the high school musical days, I was a Corbin Blue girly, okay? Okay. But there was something about watching everyone being like, I didn't know Zach Efron could act, that just ignited something in me. Because it's like, he's always made that known. We just weren't paying attention. I'm sorry. Go back and watch Scream. Like not the not the horror film. The song from High School Musical 3. <laughs> Go back and watch where he's where he feels real conflicted over going to Juilliard or the University of Albuquerque, which oh, fuck yeah. that. the University of Albuquerque shut down in 1984 and Juilliard doesn't have a musical theater program. So he's no. actually not going to any college. Troy has been scammed. Troy has been scammed. <laughs> totally scammed. But watch that scene. Watch Bet on It in High School Musical. Too. Yes. Go watch Charlie St. Cloud. Yeah. Go watch 17 again. And yes, I have seen all of Zach Efron's filmography. <laughs> um, and then go tell me you didn't know he could act. Um, no, the Iron Claw, like on whole, I think very much. I wasn't expecting to like it. Um, if I'm being honest, like I mostly went because my dad was really into wrestling in the 70s and he really <laughs> wanted to see it. Um, and I ended up liking it even more than my dad did. Um, I I loved that movie. And I loved Zach. I, I love Jeremy Allen White's performance. Yeah. All of them. I love Hunter. a movie where I can like learn something. And from the Iron Claw, I learned that pro wrestling is fake. Um, so Jim Williams, next time, <laughs> next time you talk to Jim, he will he will he will learn you a thing or two about that i look forward to it genuinely i I, um, nicole i you need to watch glow on netflix that's a good show okay so good i love to learn things and i i sure did learn a thing all of the entire cast in that movie is so good all the brothers harris dickinson maura tierney they did not need to give her such material in this movie. And yet it's there and she slays it. Completely agree. Yeah, it's it's like so much better than I had any expectations of it being. 
And I love that. Mm-hmm. Also, I love a film about toxic masculinity. Um, I I also... With a good 70s soundtrack. Yeah. No, truly, though, I watch it with my whole family. And afterwards, I can't remember if it was my, my dad or my sister. Somebody was like, like, what kind of bad luck, you know, does a family have to have to like, have all of that happen to them? And it was, was even like, more that happened right. in real life. And my like, mom oh was my like, God. it wasn't bad luck. It was that white man. Yeah, it literally was it was the dad yeah, it was the dad like there's no curse like, it's just yeah. the dad the yeah. curse is the dad like yep. yeah um i love it that was so... it's the most like vicious takedown of american exceptionalism yeah. and oh, God, yeah. how this like constantly you like you must always be the best you got to be a winner and only winners matter and like just how how that doesn't actually solve anything and doesn't help you in life at all that kind of mentality i i loved it um that movie is really depressing that uh another and it's like tied with another movie for my favorite depressing movie of the year and the other one is all of us strangers Mm. um what a film i'm in this cabinet come here come here you are making room we're leaving a trail of crumbs to lure him into the cabinet. Um, to lure him into my apartment. <laughs> Please. Um, but no, like, truly, what a masterpiece of a film. It, like, shook me to my core. I, like, it ended and I literally just sat there for a couple of minutes. <laughs> like, so beautiful. I love it so much. Um, also, just, like, great performances all around. I am not someone who is, like, a huge Claire Foy fan. Like, I don't have anything against Claire Foy. I just feel like she can be kind of one note. Um, and I thought that she was great in All of Us Strangers. She's so tender and warm. And the scene where he comes out to her is so oh. perfect. Like, the tone of her voice and how she asks those yep. questions and say those things is like, you can hear the motherliness yep. in every tone. Even when she's saying something that, like, you go like, oh! But you can still hear her like concern for him and love and. Ugh. I also it's heartbreaking. Just, like, I also can, I can't hear the Pet Shop Boys song anymore yep. in the Pet Shop yep. Boys voices. I hear it in her little whisper, and I yep. it makes me cry every time. I the ending of that movie is like truly oh I think one of the best examples of like a movie that's sort of confusing as it's happening and then all comes mm. together at the end perfectly like it is done so well and I love a film where the ending is like one of those things that you kind of have to put it together on your own mm. um apparently so does Paul Meskel because After Sun is very much that way as well <laughs> um and I I love much like Paul I love to be depressed uh <laughs> by a film um but yeah i love that and speaking of families that have some weird stuff going on another one of my favorite movies of the year is saltburn um (laughs) what a film speaking of a good use of music so fun fact i'm gonna give a shout out to my friend eli now um because i recommended the movie to eli um who is my like childhood best friend's fiance 
And earlier today, she texted me and she said, should I put murder on the dance floor on our reception playlist for the wedding? And oh I said, God, please. absolutely, <laughs> you should. She said, all right, we just all have to keep our clothes on. And I said, <laughs> I'll try my best. Um, but yeah, I like we all know that Barry is the most talented of of little Irishmen. Um but I love him in this movie so much. I think that the movie is so interesting. Like as someone who spent a semester at the University of St. Andrews amongst, you know, this type of rich person mm-hmm. and seeing what that does to people who are like very solidly middle class um, being in that environment. I feel like this is such an interesting like class commentary. And I feel like so many people are kind of missing the point of it. And I think that's partially because class structure in the UK is still quite different to what it is in the United States. Um, It still has more rigidity because of the whole thing of like land and titles and grand estates. And, you know, there's still less idea of class mobility. And I think that that like all of that context makes it make even more sense. And I think Emerald Fennell is such an interesting director. There's so much that's just delicious in this movie. I don't think scandalous as a lot of people are acting like it is like i don't i actually was disappointed because i was expecting like more scan i mean i wasn't disappointed in the movie don't get me wrong i loved it but like i was like everyone was like you're you're in for the shock of your life like it wasn't yeah i will say that like seeing it i very early i i don't think it was the premiere but like it was Mm -hmm. very like I, no, because it had premiered at Telluride, but like I saw it like late October, early November at a press screening in New York, and it was almost more fun to like watch the people's reactions around yeah. me as things was happening. Like, because I just love, and I don't like people like oh, like oh my god, so shocking. I'm like, I don't think that anything that happens is just like shocking so much like we've seen worse but it is stuff that makes people feel very uncomfortable yeah and there i saw like that is like a very solid through line between this and promising young woman is that like she really loves to watch the audience squirm and i like the ways in which she makes the audience squirm same and i think what's so fun to me is that like everything in sulfur and like I'm like, how do I, I feel like I can say this and it's not too much of spoilers, but like the bathtub scene, the grave scene, the vampire scene, like none of that made me as uncomfortable as the scene where they go to Oliver's parents' house. I agree. Like that was the part where I was like, I think I have to leave actually. Um, And I think that that's so clever of her. And I, the way that Emerald Fennell talks about this movie is so endlessly fascinating to me. Like her calling it a vampire movie and the very clear inspiration that she's taken from things like cool intentions and mm-hmm. and this whole idea of the manor house that like you know is sort of leeching into these people and corrupting them and the the way that wealth is corrupting and and the whole way that like the mythology of the minotaur like is embedded into it and i just think it's also so gorgeous from like a, a design standpoint like obviously that estate is gorgeous but also as a period piece it is 2006 baby (laughs) yeah like it's so crazy how well they captured 
the mid 2000s. That was like, so I graduated college in 2006 and like ev literally every soundtrack cut, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yep. I was, I was right back in college. It got everything, like the fashions. The, mm -hmm. I could write like probably like 500 words just about Jacob Elordi's eyebrow ring in this yes. movie and how perfect of a choice how just that eyebrow ring tells you everything about this character can i say it's... that when i watched saltburn um i texted you both this but i just wanted it to be public on the record um i got an amazon device for christmas i won't say it because i have one in my room and i don't want to set it off um and I didn't realize that apparently I'd set something off on my Amazon device and it was playing Taylor Swift, but really quiet. I did not realize that that was happening until the grave scene. And during the grave scene, Wildest Dreams was playing. So... <laughs> and I was like, and that's because that's when the did you realize like when the sound finally cut out? Right. Because the sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no sound. And there's that's, that's the Bronte version. Like, yes. Wow. I was like, this song is about 10 years too late. But man, does it work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am so obsessed with that. And can, can, can I like transition us from this? Because. Yes. Yeah. Although, like, before you do, yeah. we just need to talk for a second about how freaking perfect Rosamund Pike is in this movie. She's so good. She's Every so good. word out of her mouth, it's just like, I don't know. It the way she like forms her mouth around these words is perfect. Like every little sound that comes out of her mouth yep. is like dripping with intent. And I love everything she says in Tess and in Saltburn. She's flawless. I want like a movie about that character as a young woman and I kind of yes. want her to be played by Renee Rapp actually actually give um, me a movie about her and her friend poor dear Pamela Pamela poor dear Pamela I love Pamela Pamela <laughs> she, is an icon me. um you know it's also but what I was sorry, thinking, I just have to say this like yeah. real quick before we move on from Saltburn do you know what song is one year too late to fit in it takes place in 2007, right? 2006 or 2007? 2006. Well, okay. No. It's, un it's unclear it because it says it's 2002, I think, or three. 2002 three. to 2003 because it's class yeah. of 2006. You would be welcome oh, class of 2006. They're, if they're entering as freshmen, it's the fall of 2002. But they do three-year degrees in the UK. Oh, okay. So 2003 then. Yeah. So 2003, yeah. I think. Okay. I was going to yeah. say a great... Needle drop would have been "Don't Trust Me" by Three O Three, but <laughs> I can't even I handle the thought of when that. I was like, nice. anyway. Well, so but I just want to make known that um, I am not drinking from a real Stanley. This is a fake Stanley. Thank you. <laughs> um, Stanley's not going in the cold. Stanleys are not um, like getting in fistfights in Target over a Stanley cup. Not hot. Not in the culture cabinet. Um. But I think that there's something particularly about the grave scene in this movie that is quite Bronte-esque, which means that I 
get to talk about my number one movie of 2023 now, which is Emily. Yes! Um, I love Emily so much. Once again, if the film Emily has uh, no fans, I'm dead. Uh, (laughs) But it is such an interesting exploration of a woman who is so pivotal to English literature, but about whom we know so little. And I think that that gives an artist so much space to have fun with that and to really explore within the themes of her work to sort of flush out what we know of her life. And Emma Mackey is literally perfect in the film. Uh, But also um, Frances O'Connor just does like such a brilliant job of bringing it to life. And it's so deliciously gothic. And it's so sort of, I think, chimes with Emily Bronte's work that I just, I love it so much. That whole cast is perfect, particularly Emma Mackey. It has probably my favorite, like, sex scene in any movie. Oh my God, that sex scene is so hot. It's so hot, but also me being who I am, I'm like, and they're wearing the right undergarments. Um, I'm like, that's hot. (laughs) But I love that movie so much. It's it's so important to me. And I think it's it has really interesting things to say about like creative people and the mm-hmm. act of, of creating and what it can do to a person. Um, and also I think it has interesting things to say about like family and about isolation. And yeah, I it's the gift that keeps on giving. Emily would make a fascinating companion piece with a double a great double feature with um a quiet passion about Emily Dickinson because uh, they're very similar sort of looks at the yep. artist through their family and their size and what it meant to be a creative woman at the yes. time that they were yes. um Emily is so such a gorgeous looking film like the mm-hmm. cinematography is out of this world the scene where they play the game with the mask. I think about that every day. Yeah. I, I've thought about that every day since I saw it. Like it's, it's so, so good. Agree. Anyways, watch Emily. If you haven't. Uh, <laughs> Lex, am I, I think I know what your number one film of the year is. And I don't think we've talked about it yet. It's my number one film. Is it what I'm thinking of you? What is it? I'm like, am I right? We haven't talked about it yet. No, we haven't talked about it. Okay. Um, my number one film of the year is a film where I watched it once and I said that was my favorite film of the year. I never want to watch it again. Um, <laughs> because it ripped me apart. Like, I felt like I'd been put through a wood chipper. Um, and I'm, of course, talking about past lives. Okay, that's my number one film of the year, too. And yeah, like, yep. I, I, of course, I have put myself through that shit three times. Can't do it. You're so brave. I. You're so brave, Kim. <laughs> you. Thank you, Barbie. Um, <laughs> when I tell you, like, the first time I saw that movie, spiraled for mm-hmm. like a week. Like, I just completely Same. took me out of my life. Like, oh my God. I was thinking about, like, 
things that things and people that I had not thought about in yep. decades. That like this movie like practically like rewired my brain. Mm-hmm. It's it the impact it had on me was like seismic and and yeah. every time i've like the well, okay every time the two times that i've watched it <laughs> since it has only gotten like deeper and more profound as i've been able to like sort of look past my entry point to the story and how i identify it with so strongly and healing back just the layers of the story of the movie and realizing that it's not just this kind of romance. It's also about identity and um, specifically being an immigrant and feeling Mm -hmm. like you're caught between two places and not really at home anywhere. And, um, you know, the idea of fate and destiny and all these things, it's so dense, but while you're watching it, it just glides on by and Celine song, who is a, a genius. Um, since this is her first movie, what the fuck? Um, yeah. It's. I, this movie it, is, it is so a special perfect film. It is like, it is. And Celine Song has said that, like, this is a film that is just about three people being so kind to each other. And I'm like, yes. And that is what makes it, like, so different. Like, when, um, when Song says to Nora, I didn't think it would hurt liking your husband so much. I wanted to curl up into a little ball and die. Literally okay? every other person take note this is how you do a love triangle yes oh my god i need to like pause and like take a break i was like oh god okay Um, i thought that i got into a place where i was like you know what i want to rewatch it i've recovered enough let's go and then never have recovered enough well no the week that i was gonna rewatch it i found out that this guy that i was friends with when i lived in london that like there was kind of something there, but it never really came about. Um, got engaged. Um, oh no! And I was like, "This is so, not the right time to rewatch." I, I was gonna say, so what if two things happened? You put it on immediately, or you said never again. <laughs> to not be self-destructive. Um, and I still haven't watched it. I think I think I'm getting to a place now where I could. Um, but yeah, I was. It was the funniest thing because I literally was like, "Oh, I should rewatch that," and I was like, "Well, not right now." Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think because all of us have like those things, whether it's a relationship or a job choice or a relocation choice or, you know, if if you are the child of immigrants wondering, like, what if I never left or I mean, it doesn't even have to be that it could be just like, what if I never left, you know, this other place that I live, I think we all have those things that we think about. Um. And so it's it's really interesting to see one like actually really sort of play out on screen and and I also think that Greta Lee gives such a good performance in this movie and it's so subtle, mm-hmm. um, so but it's great. it's really brilliant. She's it's especially brilliant because like the movie like Nora keeps saying throughout the movie like in dialogue that like it's not gonna happen. 
with Hesang. He it's not I'm in love with you, Arthur. You're you're my husband. And like, no, it yes, it could have been anyone who I met at that writer's workshop, but it was you, you dolt. So I'm here and I'm in this. But you see her look at Teo Yu and you're just like, but the chemistry, the like the look in your eyes at this man like there is something there and like it's those seeds of doubt that the movies like keeps sowing about this relationship even though she keeps saying like you yep. see something different and it's a very deliberate choice and like that's why i think that ending hits mm -hmm. as hard as it does because it's genuinely like i genuinely did not know it was going to happen when they ended up on that sidewalk. And oh, yeah. I knew what I was hoping would happen because I'm a hopeless romantic <laughs> and wanted the big romantic gesture yeah. to happen. But like the fact that it didn't made this movie so much better. <laughs> okay. And I think that's the thing is like, even as I was hoping like that it would yeah. happen and like wanting it, I also, there was like a, the other half of me being like, but no, like, it can't yeah. happen. Like, yeah, it literally I, can't yeah. happen. Yeah, like the end of once. Yes, where you're like, yes, you know, they're not supposed to end up together. Yeah, but I'm so heartbroken that, that it's that way. <laughs> yes, exactly. Except this, even like more so than once. Yeah, I even think. more so than once. Yeah, because once, like, yeah. she's always, yeah, like, oh, oh, it's so good. It's so good. I, it's those last three words for me uh, just sealed uh, the deal i gasped yeah. i yeah that that was the best theater going experience I... i'm sorry okay. to have like hijacked this talk oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the I, nice thing is that i like, feel like we like a lot of the same movies, which makes yeah. this a fun conversation. And when we get to TV, I'm going to be freaking insufferable. So I'm like, <laughs> and I have like nothing to say about TV because oh, I, I did not watch I, hardly it was, any I TV. I have for TV for me. I, I do I have, have things. I do have shopping. things to say, but like not nearly as many. Like past lives, like I have thought about this movie more than any other piece of entertainment I consumed for the past I don't even know how many years um well if unless anyone else wants to talk about another movie um, I, I I need to talk about bottoms okay yeah got because it. bottoms belongs if in the culture cabinet <laughs> the the queerest raunchiest most hilarious movie of the year and just like I wish a movie like this existed when I was in high school so that like all of us little queer kids could have had it as like a guide and something to quote to each other excuse me but like what a film it's so wild Emma Seligman and Rachel Sennett are fucking geniuses. Io Debris, you will always be famous. Uh, Io truly is an it girl of 2023, and it's only going to continue. And I 
love that for her and i love an irish queen as we know um <laughs> yeah i like i didn't love bottoms the way that a lot of people did but i loved her in it so i um and i you know what 2023 was actually like a pretty good year for queer cinema and i love oh, that yeah like, we had some good stuff which we i mean obviously like all of us strangers and bottoms and mm-hmm. rustin and uh saltburn cinema saltburn <laughs> we had queer cinema like across multiple different genres which is really f- i mean mm-hmm. red white and royal blue red, like, well, and I royal think blue. It was, like a great film i do think it's but so exciting so to have right like to have like a sweet little rom-com about yeah. two gay boys um theater camp the theater camp listen theater camp, theater camp came for me <laughs> theater camp. Um, I, it's one of those things where like if you don't again, if you're Aya, not incredible again i but it's one of those things where like if you have never done theater yeah. i can't really explain to you how perfect theater camp like, is i i cannot explain to you why it's so funny like it's one of those things where like if you don't get it you won't get it yeah um but if you get it it's the best thing <laughs> Wow. Honestly, though, like I, I love it. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any other. You know what movie? Like, I'm not like, oh my god, it was so good. Um, but I, um, but I'm just like, I'm not seeing this like in conversation anywhere, and like maybe rightfully so because it's not like an award worthy film. But I enjoyed so it, and that going. is the live action remake of The Little Mermaid. Um, uh <laughs> in terms of um, 2023 discoveries nicole quite made one with um the little mermaid i would just I like to say that i, love, I really love the scuttlebutt <laughs> love the scuttlebutt nicole. um no bailey's performance is so good in the little mermaid um okay yes truly he brings the house down with party girl i cried during her rendition of party world and that song's that ever made me cry that was the first song i ever like learned as a child and it made me her version made me cry um the girl has a voice my listen God. in, in CGI, my a little yeah bad, maybe but when did i say that i needed a good cgi time i didn't i said that i just wanted some fun nautical themes and that's what i got so <laughs> listen in my like music section of my notes i no joke have the song from that soundtrack that actually did make it onto my Spotify top 100 for the year. Oh my god! Which is Wild Uncharted Waters because I love nothing more than a male Disney ballad, um, and that is a great one. I was never an Ariel girl. I was never a Prince Eric girly. This film had me reconsidering everything in the same way that Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella did. I was like, why did I look past Prince Charming? Um, whenever that came out and I had the same experience here I think that like Little Mermaid is not getting enough credit for being one of the better Disney live action films I and I think I that's mean because low bar I mean yes but I think that's because there's a lot of similarities between it and the 2015 Cinderella which is that it knew how to stay true to the heart of the story without feeling like imprisoned by it um and without feeling like it needed to be a carbon copy of it like it wasn't afraid to be its own thing a bit 
And I really admire that. And I also just think Hallie is so talented. And I also loved her in the color purple. Um, I think she shout out to her and Felicia Pearl and Posse in the color purple because whoa, whoa, the talent. I also going off the color purple, like. I'm glad to see that Coleman Domingo is having like his moment. Look damn busy. Truly. Uh, while like I had some notes for both films he is getting acclaim for, I thought his performance in both was fantastic, particularly in yep. Rustin. Um his his performance in Rustin is so freaking good. Um, my personal pick for best actor, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. go between him and Andrew Scott. So yeah, I do yeah. too. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was he was another one. I'm trying to think. I feel like you know Wonka. Have, one time, I I really enjoyed Wonka. I um, love nothing more than to see Hugh Grant play a silly little man. And he quite literally plays a silly little man. Silly little man. A Um, very silly um, little man. When I brush my dog's hair at night, I keep going, doodle, doodle. (laughs) Um, Hannah and I have a whole routine that we created to the chocolate song. Um, But we did it in the style of like a three to four year old children's tap dance for a recital. Of course. It's very exciting. Um, Because it's a perfect song for that. It really is. Like I can't wait for all the dance Mm -hmm. recitals to have that in it. But no, the other movie that I have to talk about, um, for one thing, because it's my Zoom background right now. um, And also because Mm -hmm. I am a Hunger Games fan first and a human second. And uh, the year's best musical. There we go. Uh, <laughs> the Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is incredible. And not just because I predicted its casting several years before it occurred. Um, I read this book and I said, that's a Rachel Zegler role if I've ever seen one. Um, and then they cast her and I said, thank you, universe. You did this <laughs> for me. For me and for Rachel. but most Or you did this uh, for the did, universe. You put this into this. the universe. You did. Um, I did. You're welcome, universe, because she slayed it. I love the Hunger Games universe. I think that like of all of the dystopian universes that have been created, especially within like YA, um, it's by far the best. I think that it is interesting because it has become more relevant since it was first created. Um, And also Susan Collins continues to be a queen. Um, She's amazing. I love this look, uh, this like very complicated look at a young President Snow. I think that Tom Blythe is like one of the best like real discoveries of 2023 because that man can act his face off. Um, He's also one of the only men I've ever witnessed who looks better blonde than brunette. I didn't know that was possible. (laughs) Um, He also really, really has thrown me a Draco Malfoy girl for a spin because him at the end of that movie, I won't say what I typically describe him as, but he is serving Draco Malfoy. Um, (laughs) And I think like the design of it, the production design of it, all of it is so good. And it's filmed really well, but also the music from it. I listened to that album nonstop. Not only do I love all of the songs that they wrote to be like in the, you know, the actual movie, um, 
and Rachel Zegler performs them all gorgeously. She did all of her singing mm-hmm. live on set, from my understanding. But the album also has all these like folk songs that they just like commissioned for the album. Uh, and I really like them. Um, I'm very excited. I 2024 may be the year that I get really into like folk and bluegrass music. Um, nice. Because I, one of the resident companies that I manage at the theater that I work at is a folk group. I'm going to a concert tomorrow for them. Um, but also one of the girls who did a song for the album is coming to the theater that I work at later this year. So, Good. Uh, but yeah, The Hunger Games, um, Suzanne Collins, We Want More, write me a Hamish book and then let's get it made into a movie, please and thank you. Um, but I really do think that like part of what makes made the movie so good is that like they waited for Suzanne Collins to write another book mm-hmm. and then made that into a movie. Um, so it feels really cohesive yeah. with everything. Um, and like it had purpose. So And That's... Viola Davis. Okay, listen, Viola Davis, <laughs> Peter Dinklage, oh. um, Peter Dinklage, Pete Pinky Dinky, if you will. Um, <laughs> as Lex once said when she couldn't remember the name Peter Dinklage. Um I was playing a game <laughs> that involved some beverages. And I was losing the game. Fine. So that's what happened. But no, like that whole cast is so good. Those children are all so talented as well. Also, um, Josh Andre Rivera, is that his name? Uh, Rachel Zegler's boyfriend, as I like to call him. (laughs) Rachel Zegler. Mr. Rachel Zegler, yeah. Mr. Zegler is so good in it. Like, I have a lot of feelings about. Sejanus Plump, um, which will surprise absolutely no one. Um, he's my baby, and I would protect him with my life. Uh, but he's so good in that. Like, I honestly think he probably gives the best performance of the movie. Um, but yeah, a, a film that I think about on a daily basis. I've also seen it like a silly amount of times. Already. <laughs> uh, but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> I what we do need to talk about though is my pick for like the most surprising film that I think Nicole might actually like. Oh. Which I was not expecting to like nearly as much as I did. Other than the Iron Claw. (laughs) Which is, yes. Which is Godzilla minus one. Okay, apparently I need to watch this. You really, really do, Nicole, because it is a World War II melodrama that takes place in like the rubble of Japan. In Wait, the period, in the period between, like, like basically, like just after they have like officially lost the war. <laughs> so this should be a double feature with Oppenheimer, is what I'm hearing. Yes, absolutely, because J. Robert Oppenheimer also created the giant lizard monster from the deep. You know, nice. that's what he did. This is the that, fallout. That is his it, fault. This movie <laughs> is so entertaining it I, I literally said there's a whole movie just like seal clapping with glee because you get you know the big giant lizard monster stomping <laughs> a city and crushing it to the ground with its tail but you also get like a really strong human story about this kamikaze pilot who can't bring himself to complete his mission because he knows his country has lost and what that means for him when he returns home yes 
Yes. Okay, and finds literally... and finds a woman who has like who it's just a woman and a child who have found each other and in like the rubble of this like I'd say Nicole it is a an oddly Nicole coded movie for what it is. Okay, people in North Carolina film critics are being like, everybody should watch this. If anyone had said World War II, I would have watched it yeah. already. Um, so I now I have genuine, to watch that. Right now, bye guys. <laughs> genuinely was shocked at how much I enjoyed this movie. And I had to walk like all the way across town in the bitter freezing cold in order to see it. So for me to say that, it means a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, real quick, speaking gosh. of foreign movies, actually, um, Society of the Snow... Oh my god. That film messed me up. Oh Um, my god. I need like at least like three to five business months before I have to get on a plane. Um, Try the zone of interest. You'll need three to five business years. Okay, but like literally Society of the Snow is more of the shocking movie that people think like Saltburn is. Um, (laughs) And look, I love me a cannibalism movie, but this one really messed me up. Um, it made Bones and All look like child's play. Um, it truly freaked me out, but it's so well done. It's so well filmed. I I watched it with my whole family. We were all riveted. Um, my dad had bad dreams. (laughs) Sorry, Todd. Um, highly recommended is now on Netflix. Um, now I know that Lex has a lot of TV, but she needs to talk about. Um, so I'm gonna get my quick TV shoutouts out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) um one is i'm not gonna say the whole third season of ted lasso because it was kind of a letdown after seasons one and two being perfect television um but specifically the amsterdam episode of season three is one of my favorite episodes of tv of all time and not only because i got to do the most special thing in the world which is that i watched that episode in amsterdam um i was in amsterdam over the summer for about 36 hours wow uh and in those hours i did in fact watch the amsterdam episode of ted lasso before going to the van gogh museum the day after um you absolute legend i i like i won i won ted lasso (laughs) um but that episode really got back to the i feel like what the heart of that show was all about and I loved it very much. And also the evolution of the character of Jamie Tart is one that should be written really? about in textbooks. Incredible. Um, my second thing is Bluey because most of what I've watched TV wise in 2023 was just Bluey. Um, if you've not watched Bluey episodes, if you're currently sending and being like, Nicole, that's a children's show. Um, it's a show for everyone. Um, She's saying that because that is exactly what I'm doing. By the way. Yeah, no. <laughs> I cry over like one out of every five episodes in Bluey. Um, Bluey, my my neighbors across the street. But what are they showing to our children these days? No, no, no. It is the most like heart wrenching stuff, but not in a like oh it's really like sad kind of way, but in a like it just it just really hits you. Dan, there's a specific episode that you have to watch. I will send it to you um they're like 10 yeah blue you can do it they're like they're so short but they're so good and also the little australian accents on these kids like kill me um but yeah bluey is is elite television you heard it here bluey's in the culture cabinet so is bingo um i my sister and i are bluey and bingo um 
to a T. My mother even pointed out the other day that I have some of Louie's mannerisms and I did not realize that I did until she pointed it out. Um, so thanks for that, Sherry. But uh, the other thing, which I feel like at least one of y'all may have thoughts on as well, is um, the Daisy Jones and the Six TV series uh, was probably my favorite TV that I watched in 2023. Uh, I also listened to that album so much that almost I think the entire album is in my Spotify Top 100. Um, Truly the, the greatest miniseries of the year. Sam Claflin, you will always be famous to me. Um, <laughs> Riley Keough. Riley Keough. Oh, a goddess amongst. Truly. Them. We are not um, worthy. We are not worthy. Sydney Waterhouse, mother who is soon to be literally mother. Um, Camilla Marone. I mean, honestly, like everybody, everybody was great. I actually, this might be controversial. I'm going to come out and say it. I think I like it better than the book, and I like the book. Ooh. But I like what I they do with a couple of the characters. But I did like okay, it. Okay, because they took my least favorite character in the book that I thought was kind of useless and made him my favorite character, and I'm so impressed by that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. More than I even expected to. Um, because I feel like Daisy Jones and the Six is very, like, lex-coded. Um, very. Right? And so I was like, I did not expect to be as obsessed with it as I was. But um, everything about that aesthetic just makes me think of Lex. So, Thank you. You're so welcome. Riley, give her a call. Daisy Jones was <laughs> definitely on my list. Um, I love that book. It's one of the few books that I've read more times than one. I will say, I think I say this with apprehension. Okay. I I love Taylor Jenkins Reigns books. Yeah. I think she tends to write a little bit in the male gaze. Yeah. Yeah. They're like every like the same with Evelyn Hugo where it's like it's she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Like that's Yep. And what I liked about the TV show is they like are like no Daisy's an asshole. Um yeah. because she is. Um yep. and she kind of is. I'm in love with her, but she's um she's kind of an asshole. And let women be assholes 2K23. Right. <laughs> um I thought the music was really good. I own multiple variants of that album on vinyl. Um playing that album on vinyl just hits different. It does hit different. Can and imagine. I thought the way they packaged it to make it look like the actual album itself was really nice. Oh so god. Um but no. Um, thank you so much for passing the mic to me because um, my time has come because um, it was a really great year to be one of my celebrity crushes um, <laughs> in terms of TV. And I have 852,000 celebrity crushes um, and a whopping three got a big moment in the sun. The first was Riley Keough for Daisy Jones. The second was um the man in my zoom background david lewis <laughs> um who was in the artful dodger on hulu um which fun story apparently my dad canceled our hulu account but it's still working for me and his response was um well he told me he said do you have a hulu account and i said i mean not my own i've been using yours <laughs> And he's like, well, I got rid of it. And I said, today? And he went, no, like months ago. And I was like, dad, I'm literally watching Hulu right now. 
And he goes, <laughs> oh, wow. Well, keep on keeping on. And I said, okay. So okay, <laughs> the day that I log on wow. to watch the Artful Dodger and um, it doesn't play is the day that my father and I are going to have to go fisticuffs. Um, I mean, yes, I could make my own account, but I don't want to. <laughs> I loved, so I love Charles Dickens adaptations generally. Um, I thought you were just going to be like, I love Charles Dickens. So I was going to be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I've tried to read Charles Dickens and it's never gone well, but I will watch the hell out of a Charles Dickens um, movie adaptation, you know, um, lesser known BBC series where it's a bunch of different Charles Dickens characters where like say some character is apparently only in their book for about three pages and isn't actually (laughs) gay. Um, I'll watch that. Like it's um no, I love a good <laughs> adaptation. Um not the books, I will I will admit. I've I've tried, I've really tried. Um but um I saw I saw Nicole actually was the one to alert me of the Artful Dodger and I saw Charles Dickens and I saw David Lewis and I was like, oh, sign me up. Um and then it took me by surprise on how good it is. Like it's, I will say, if you're squeamish, it may not be for you because it is about a surgeon and there's full ass surgery. I didn't mean to say full ass. There's full on surgery. Um, and you see a lot of blood, a lot of organs, exposed bones, no, the works. Um, but uh, Maya Mitchell is also in it, um, which a good throwback to Teen Beach movie. Um, a great film. Um, Thomas Brady Sanders, um, Burb himself, um, the cute kid from <laughs> Love Actually. Um, it's he was all- grown up, grown up. He was like... all grown up, um, and is now performing surgery on people. Um, <laughs> it's my sister then- keeps sending me TikTok edits of him, and I'm like, um, that's, yeah, that's the I kid from Love Actually on a TikTok edit of him, and I said, "Where are the Fagan edits?" and i've yet to get any so um no but in all actuality like david thulis is giving one of the funniest performances i've ever seen on tv like we need to start casting david thulis and more comedic roles because he's so funny Mm -hmm. um he does this this is a bit of a spoiler but i don't care he talks about how he can't go grave digging because he's like my um oh my gosh i forget her name my agnes is buried and the idea of like someone like robbing her grave just it's too much for me and like he's he's a con man right and then it turns out that agnes is his dog and he's and jack saw it this entire time he was talking about like his daughter and it turns out like it's just his dog god so funny um, <laughs> And there's like there's good romance in there. Like I was I was not prepared for like how well the romance was gonna hit in this show. Um it it does the perfect slow burn, the perfect enemies to lovers, the perfect sweeping kissing scene. Like it's got it all. Um, so I love the Artful Dodger. If there's not a season two, then I will co- contact a medium to um get the spirit of charles dickens 
to raise his complaints because I bet this would have gotten his stamp of approval. <laughs> um, I wouldn't know for sure. I've not actually read any of his work, but <laughs> I've seen so many adaptations of it, so it's fine. I will, I will watch it and give my official. I was gonna say, like, Nicole would know. <laughs> I I did I did spend a year. Yes. Working at his house. There you go. And not mostly in the floorboards. <laughs> wrote Fagin's the best character I ever wrote behind Arthur Hafnisham. <laughs> um, and but speaking of David Thewlis, here comes the link to again great year to be one of my celebrity crushes. Is um so when I got the news that um Joe Carey was going to be in. Season five of Fargo, I decided to watch all of Fargo and I had not seen any of the seasons. A great I show. I have to say, it is one of the smartest written shows I've ever seen in my life. I think from where every season's a closed off um story, it like keeps it from getting outlandish, like there's no jumping sharks. It's all very like tightly written. And season three. My boy David Thewlis plays the um, villain. And that is another performance that I just... I looked it up to see if he won the Emmy for it, and he didn't. And I wrote to the Television Academy immediately and said, you're a sham. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your service, Lexi. That's all it said, was your sham. Um. But no, season three was really good because it had David Thewlis, but also had Ewan McGregor. Um, and Ewan McGregor played two characters at once, which was really fun. Um, there, there's a sequence and see, like every single season has a moment where I'm like, <clears throat> that's good. That's good TV. Yeah. Season three, it was the Peter and the Wolf sequence where every oh, God. was kind of uh, an instrument. Incredible. It's so incredible. It's so good. And that just, scene, oh my God. And it's narrated yeah. by Billy Bob Thornton, who was the villain in season one. Like it just is so it's so good. That is so good. Um, I could do without the close-up on David Thewlis's rotting teeth, but that's okay. <laughs> you know? Um we know that they're not his real teeth. It's okay. Thank God. Cause that is about where my my love does have limits. <laughs> that is it. Um, but season five, the most recent season, which I thought has ended about six different times. Um, <laughs> no, I told Nicole I was like I binged Fargo season five. It was great, and then I was like, turns out there's about six more episodes. <laughs> and then I was like, two weeks ago, I was like, oh, the season finale tonight. Mm. And then I was like, this doesn't feel, this is a bit of a cliffhanger. And then I was like, there's three more episodes. But I know <laughs> next week is in fact the finale. And I have to say, um, the moment for me this season was Juno Temple telling her story with the puppets. That was so good. That was just, and my boy. You had was- me at puppets. Like, I... I haven't watched okay. I haven't watched this season yet, but I'm looking forward to oh. eventually. But like now that I know that there's a puppet no, involved, I like it. I'm ready. I'm I so ready. Spoil it for you. That episode, my jaw was on the ground. Um, they take a really serious subject matter, and I think they handle it very tastefully, as particularly in that episode, because there is a lot. Like, I mean, every episode has like violence and 
you know, their own set of issues. Um, it, you know, it touches on racism. It touches on like class issues. It's just, you know, there's always kind of something at the crux of every story. And this one's admittedly like centered around domestic violence, which I tend to struggle with watching stories that have domestic violence. Like I usually can't get through them. And this one I think has handled it very tastefully and come to find out that I like Joe Carey, it's another one, bro, where if you're sitting there after episode nine and are like, I didn't know Joe Carey could do that. You weren't paying attention. Okay. You weren't watching Spree like I was. So Spree. go watch Spree and then talk to me. Okay. He's, what a film. He's terrifying in the last 20 minutes of that movie, like genuinely terrifying. So go watch Spree and then tell me you didn't know Joe Carey could act. Um, but now Joe Carey is giving a very good performance where like his character is just so pathetic. Um, like he's awful and you almost feel for him, but he's also just such a piece of shit. But there's just there's so many different layers to his character. And Juno Temple is giving a fantastic performance. Um, when is John Hamm not giving a great performance? Um and so Fargo, I did not anticipate becoming a Fargo stand, but first they had me hunk line. Well, I I watched the first two seasons and I did enjoy them, but then I get to season three and I'm like, you got me hook line and sinker with uh, David Thewlis. And then they hit me with Joe Carey and that feels weirdly tailored to me. And I am beyond appreciative of it. Um, so yes, when I say 2023 was a fantastic year for TV, I really mean those two slash three shows but they were two slash three shows that meant the world to me so mm. also um if we're talking embarrassing songs that made it into our spotify wrapped um this year uh, the Wizard song from big mouth made it in my spotify rap i will perform it i've made nicole listen to it more times than one um and i'll do it again I'll do it a hundred more times than five. I think actually, <laughs> it's it's a two minute song. Okay, so it was like listening. Oh, I enjoy it well once. Um, yeah. I no, I love that song so much. I was listening to it today actually. David, um, Lewis, you can get in the culture cabinet. He's in. He's absolutely in. He's in for sure. Dan, yeah. did you have any TV that you wanted to talk about, or should we transition to talking? music in general so i have i have two tv shows that i want okay. to talk about i i definitely like fell down a bit on the tv this year um but although that said i just recently um finished binging all of the bear and oh. what a show um what a show but my favorite things that i watched this year other than like daisy jones and the six incredible um beef was also good um with steven yun and ali wong on netflix much better than i was expecting um much more much different from what i was expecting and so 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 well done but me okay my favorite things what we do in the shadows is the funniest show on tv and the fact that it was still the funniest show on tv in like its fifth season i i i can't i cannot believe how freaking hilarious that show is and i'm so sad that it's ending but i know that they're gonna end on a high so 
But the other big thing, um, season two of Heartstopper. I still need to which, watch that. Nicole. <laughs> I know. I know you haven't, but let me tell you, like, one of, like, the most special moments of 2023 for me was, and I literally had to force, <laughs> um, my mom and my sister and my brother-in-law to, to watch <laughs> Heartstopper <with> me. <laughs> because it was one of those things where like we we were all together we had nothing really to do and but it was like late at night and we were like hanging out and it was just like they wanted to watch something and I'm like I know what we're watching because I have just decided for all of us what we're watching <laughs> because I knew they'd all like it and because it's just a show that it is is so it's so charming, but like, I I did not expect how much my sister and mom would get into it because like we watched the first episode and they were like, well, well, we have to watch the second episode, right? And I was like, I will watch this as long as you want. The episodes are half an hour. I don't care. <laughs> um, and by the end of the second episode they were like actively like you know going oh and like audibly reacting to things that were happening the fourth episode my sister was crying <laughs> my mom was like you know sitting there with the biggest smile on her face and i was sitting there so happy because they understood like why i loved this show so much and I, they had like you know very similar reactions to what I did when I first saw it, and just like the the warmth that that show has for like all of its characters is just very very special, and I cannot wait for season three. I hope it continues for a long long time to come because the the storytelling in it for queer teens of today is just like again it's like I wish. I had had this when I was younger because it just would have made life so much better. I cannot praise that show I enough. That. Okay. I cannot praise that show enough. And Nicole, you need to fucking watch it. I'm literally adding because it to my watch list. You're, you'll die. You'll die from the cuteness. I tell you. You I know what? You know what? It's you know what? It's the perfect show for. It is the perfect show for a snow day when it is like oh. super duper cold outside and you just want to sit there bundled up in your blanket with a hot cocoa. God, put on a heart sounds, stopper. Okay. I'm literally oh it's or, it's already on my list. Okay. Yes, because I have told you multiple yeah. times, like I have also told you multiple times that you need to watch The Great. And because I know that Hannah has finally watched The Great, 2024 will be the year when Nicole no, Ackman finally it watches will. The Great we and understands. watch The Great so that we can do our The Great versus Catherine The Great yeah. Smackdown showdown. Yes. No, I'm so in for that. Where I'm everyone so learns more than they wanted to know about me and my thoughts about Joseph Quinn playing Prince Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so in for it. So don't worry, I'm getting on that soon. Did anyone else have any other um, TV they wanted to talk about? Or shall we open the door to music? Let's talk music. 
you, Zach? I would just like to say that I actually, on whole, think that 2022 was a little bit better of a year for music. But that's not to say that 2023 wasn't a great year for music. Um, we got two Taylor's version albums, which was really mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. They One of them included Speak Now, which Speak Now is not my favorite Taylor Swift album. It's not even my second favorite Taylor Swift album. It's not even my third favorite Taylor Swift album. But <laughs> if we're talking her like pre-UMG days, it actually probably is my favorite of those albums. Um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely more of a folklore, evermore, Midnight's like... I mean, I love all of her albums. There's no album. There's no album of hers I dislike. Um, I actually just think that she's really found her groove in recent years. Um, but that's, I think, what I like most about Speak Now is from where she was the sole songwriter on those albums. I feel like the like sparks of what she wanted to do, yeah, most apparent on that album. And it, I feel like in this re-recording kind of venture she's done. It's kind of put to light, like, how much, like, the label had. How much, like, influence. Yeah. Influence. And so it's been really great kind of in recent years. And the fact that, like, I feel like now she finally came into her own and now is hitting, like, success beyond, like, I mean, she was always successful. But everything, like, you know, mega levels of success. I think proves that everyone should just let her do what she wanted to do from the beginning. Um, I loved the re-recorded version of Speak Now. I'm so obsessed with the vinyl pressing of it. It's such a gorgeous Mm -hmm. LP um, with beautiful album art. Um, I love the purple theming. And then 1989 is, thing about 1989 is that I do think it is one of the best pop albums of the 2010s. I think it is maybe the definitive pop album of the 2010s. it got overplayed for me. Mm. And so I don't have the same appreciate appreciation for it as I did 10 years ago. But I mean, it I mean, it is still a great album. And those vault tracks, um, Is It Over Now is like probably in my not top five, but maybe top 10 favorite Taylor Swift songs. Um my one my one note for Speak Now Taylor's version was that I didn't love the vault tracks um outside of i can see you um so loved to get two new i need her though like to release the other two immediately um like today (laughs) and not even just because i want them but because i'm i cannot handle another tiktok video of someone being like i know when reputation taylor's version is dropping and here's my proof okay she was seen eating an orange yesterday and the record store day pressing was on orange vinyl like i can't watch one more video like that um i'll lose my (laughs) mind like enough y'all look stupid y'all look straight up stupid i'm gonna tell you you look dumb um so just stop she'll release it when she wants to um but those were good I'm trying to Can think. I cut in real quick and just say that my favorite Taylor Swift stuff from 2023 was not on either of the albums that she released. It was two of the songs that she just like yeeted into the world. Um, yes. One of which was You're Losing Me, which mm-hmm. I actually like have some problems with as a song because I think it's kind of disjointed. But the bridge of that bridge song is so good. Um, literally rewired my brain chemistry. Um, and the other one is The Girls You Loved Before. because I love that song. 
such a good song and she truly just said yeet um Who told her it. to put that take that off the original lover album because i want to know it would have charted them. yeah i think the fact that cruel summer charted four years later yeah and yep. the fact that that song existed whoever i won't say what songs i would take away from lover um to replace with all of the girls you loved before um i do have one in mind and it is it was one of the singles um, as do i i, I don't want to say the same one wait share okay listen there's an exclamation point in the title mm-hmm. oh yeah okay well, either I'll that one it. or i'm like my issue with lover i just need to say this is i okay. think it's a great album right the album is too it, long it's too long her the better songs are like daylight afterglow mm-hmm. um, it's nice to have a friend the singles yeah. outside of the archer i don't like i don't like me i don't like i i appreciate you need to calm down like i love the music video i think it's fun it's a fine song um i feel like it love- much like reputation has a very weird thing in which the singles for the album are not at all indicative of what the actual album yeah. is right except um, for lover kind of lover can stay of. for sure but the thing is that like lover is a album that is like riddled with anxiety and i don't think that's what any of those singles yeah. give um in the same way that like reputation is a is taylor's greatest like romantic album and that's not what any of those singles gave. It's like, yeah. who was picking your singles, Miss Girl? Well, like, and I feel the same way about Reputation as I do Lover in the sense that, yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing of that the singles are not indicative of what the album is. But yep. also, it's like, my thing with, um, like, Reputation and you need to, or like, take, look what you made me do and you need to calm down. I feel the same way where it's like, it's a fun song love the music video i'm probably gonna skip it if it comes on my shuffle right um yeah so listening to all of the girls and listen if you go on tiktok and you search taylor swift need there was another song cut from lover called need and i I, if i ever see her i'm going to ask her why she cut that um (laughs) because it it's so good and so no that is a very thank you for pointing that out nicole because i forgot those were i got you excellent and um she also did safe and sound and eyes wide open um taylor's version so i was thrilled to have that because because the hunger games girlies keep winning yes i thought she was gonna come in from the rafters and drop a song for songbird and snakes and she that would have been nice miss olivia did she did and it was very Um, good that's a great song really good song and she dropped a really good album this year so she did Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say really that like i think that. all american bitch would be my go-to like theme song about my life that that is your song of 2020 the long the line i don't get angry when i'm pissed i'm like i <laughs> um i really was not sure how i was gonna feel about guts because i was a little worried that like it felt like Olivia's first album, Sour, was such like lightning in a bottle. And I was like, how could she possibly recreate that? Like, where does she have to go yeah. from there? And then she came back with Guts and I was like, oh, this is even better. Um, I, After much listening to both albums, I have decided that I think Guts is better than Sour. Um, it, you can feel the maturity in it is like growing. And I think... There are some songs on it that honestly are like top notch. 
I agree. I feel like people fall into the camp of like they're either all American bitch or they're all um ballad of a homeschool girl. And I'm ballad of a homeschool girl. And I'm all American bitch. <laughs> Honestly, um. every all American bitch needs her ballad <laughs> of a homeschool girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was yeah, that one was really good. I feel like I'm missing a big album. Um, I'm gonna pop in then with my favorite album of 2023, uh, which is also technically a sophomore album, um, which is The Good Witch by Maisie Peters. Um, I saw yes! Maisie twice in concert. Dan and I saw her together at Radio City Music Hall with my sister. Great um, album. And then no I went skips. and saw her in DC. Truly a no skip album. And then she released the deluxe version and gave which us is even, even more better album. somehow. Honestly, even better. Maisie Peters is like one 2023 like she is mm, truly truly create i feel like she's also at such a young age and i kind of feel similarly about olivia is showing the level of songwriting that taylor swift honestly didn't even reach until she was in like her mid-20s um Maisie's lyricism i think is so incredible and i love watching her sort of explore changing around her style a little bit um, but she's also spitting truths. I mean, History of Man is like probably in my top five songs of all time. So um, good. So good. Maisie Peters speaks directly to me. I was written by her and I thank her for it. Um, and the other album that I will shout out real quick here, I'm going to get my Mean Girls microphone back to do this, um, is Snow Angel by Renee Rapp. Great album. Um, yes, I knew you were going to say it. great <laughs> album. Another great songwriter. Um, if you truly like if you can't tell i love me a like teen early 20s singer songwriter um but that album really every time renee releases a song it feels like someone has uh punched me in the gut um and so it's you know it's a thing of like i love this album but also this album has hurt me like renee rap um please pay me for emotional damage <laughs> um but no snow angel i don't i don't think i like it quite as much as i like her previous album um but i do really like it and particularly um i want to thank her for having a song called tummy hurts because that's very me coded <laughs> she said that one's for nicole um but yeah i think those are like my favorite along with things that i said earlier like uh the daisy jones and the six aurora album because daisy jones and the six were one of my top artists from 2023 um i love me a fictional band so that album is i like the river so if i'm listening to the river and it gets to the bridge and it's like oh in the shadow like i'm gonna crash the car like okay no i was literally about to say i have to be really careful because it is just like my natural instinct i will floor the pedal um like the gas pedal um whenever i get to that part and i have to like genuinely tell myself like don't don't do it don't speed don't don't get pulled over by a cop and be like sorry officer um but you see daisy jones in the six and the river was on <laughs> um i can't be held responsible for what i did <laughs> i mean you know it's truth <laughs> I um I remembered what the other album I was missing was, and that is um okay. the record by Boy Genius. Oh um, nice. I love Phoebe Bridgers. Um I'm actually so fun little factoid. Um 
Phoebe Bridgers opened for Taylor Swift on the Eras Tour on a couple different legs. And when the Eras Tour was first announced, I was going to go to one of the shows that Phoebe Bridgers was opening for so I could go see Phoebe Bridgers. But then the whole like ticket fiasco became what it was. And I was like, beggars can't be choosers. Nicole and I got very lucky. Um, we had someone with a hookup who was able to get us Atlanta tickets easily. So I was like, I'll just take that and consider it a win. Um, my friend Emma, who I adore, was at the East Rutherford show with Phoebe Bridgers opening. And I said, please, please, please film I Know the End for me and send it to me. And she instead went to the merch stand. Um, Love him to death, but that hurt me. Um, But no, I, the record's so good. Um, And trying to think, you know, I felt like. 2020 you know what was actually like one of my favorite albums of 2023 was the barbie album um yes like, another like practically so no good. skip records yeah. yeah and it's like it was so what i loved about it was that the songs were so well crafted for the movie but also mm-hmm. so well crafted for the people singing them like lizzo singing pink is just so fitting in the way that she's like narrating what's happening on screen and watching that video of dua lipa and mark ronson um like write it to the dance that they're doing on or like writing dance tonight to the dance they're doing on screen is just insane to me um what was i made for is admittedly my favorite song on that album and um i have to give love to um this girl on tiktok that nicole and i's friend rhiannon sent me um and it went viral where she's not singing it right um she goes all the enjoyment i'm sad again like it's not right <laughs> it's so funny. she's singing it with such passion and then she duetted herself to try to harmonize but she's singing the same nope so it's not harmonizing at all um i want to say that woman's her name was queenie something um she's in the culture cabinet and her um to this day i was singing to myself like just today i was like i'm sad again (laughs) don't tell my boyfriend (laughs) like i can't no i I feel like you haven't truly lived until you've had the barbie album on your car windows down driving around the neighborhood um the charlie xcx song you just drive around the truly yeah you do that that's what i do that and i like to um particularly drive through my parents neighborhood with the windows down blasting i'm just kin um we talk about how they got slashed to do the guitar on that song that is my favorite little movie fun incredible incredible yeah. Dan, do you have any albums that we like didn't touch on that you wanted to mention? Yeah, so um my Kylie Minogue's Tension mm. is a pop masterpiece and I will never probably stop listening to the whole album on repeat back and forth. It's just everything. Um Pink's Trustfall was like my anthem for all of 2023 and because I love her and 
It's a great song. Um, my girl, Kelly Clarkson, put out a lot of music in 2023. And you know what? I loved most of it. Um, not all of it. But that she's one of those people that, like, I would literally listen to her sing the phone book. Like, she she could sing anything and it would sound incredible and I wouldn't care. Um, not, the songwriting, not always up to her level, but doesn't matter. It's another good album from her and she can basically do no wrong. Um, the The, I... The Kim Petras album, Feed the Beast, I have lots of thoughts on. But I like so many individual tracks on it that I sort of give it a pass. <laughs> um, what was there? There were a few, like, those were like the albums that I enjoyed, in addition to the ones that we already talked about. Yeah. There were a lot there were a lot more individual tracks that I liked than than full albums. But those were those are the, the big ones for Feels me. Feels worth pointing out that Lux and I saw Tears for Fears uh in concert we sure together. Did. Mm-hmm. Um, was which was concert of the century. That that was truly an incredible moment. I would see it I would see them again. Yeah. Um, yeah, same. Great great set list. Also, um, while we're talking about culture, I saw my first opera in 2023. Mm. Um, I saw La Traviata by the North Carolina Ooh. Opera. Um, it was very, very good. And I also got to see it for free on house seats. And I'm actually going to another opera in a couple of weeks. I'm seeing the Barber of Seville. Um, because I've decided to become truly cultured and learn about opera because I have the opportunity to see it for free. Um, because I work at a theater. Uh but yeah, I does anyone else have anything that they wanted to cover? Because I have a few just like pop culture things that I wanted to throw into the culture cabinet. Go for it. Okay. Um, first I'm putting in the memes about the submersible. God. <laughs> because they brought me such joy. <laughs> Um, yeah. there's nothing like watching the folly of rich people play out in real time. Mm. Um, also everything to do with the world cruise, which also is going to dominate my 2024, but it's starting in 2023. So we'll let it in for that as well. Um, I think about the world cruise at least two to three hours a day. I'm terrified that oh this I like they're already freaking in the North Passage. Like it's not good. It's no. This is gonna be our 21st century Titanic, I'm telling you. <laughs> the thing that is so I have not good me, feeling about it. Like it's not just the World Cruise, it's the fact that there are so many people on the World Cruise making TikTok content. So we're getting this like insider look that we wouldn't normally have to something like this. It feels like a movie and it, it feels like a disaster. Yeah. It it literally does. It feels like a reality TV show, like mock you t- like do you know what I mean? Like a mock reality TV show about like a disaster, but we don't know what the disaster is yet. And I, I genuinely hope the best for all the people on it, but I don't expect the best. So um 
one of my other things is once again not the actual thing because i'm not letting the actual thing anywhere near the culture cabinet but the memes about ariana grande and ethan slater oh god that's a celebrity scandal that is not going to withstand the test of time okay in 15 years we're not going to remember who ethan slater is okay i will I will, I will I will be there when I I never in a trillion years thought that like of all the people for the entire world to be talking about it would be Ethan Slater. It's SpongeBob that's the part I find so really? crazy. No, that's every meme that refers to him as SpongeBob like sends me into orbit. I know um, that the trend on TikTok that first needs first of all this trend needs to die because the way I see this trend it's either people being like when we were. 32 and 31 versus when we were 33 and 32 it's like yep stop but it's that adele like my god this reminds me of when we were young the best had the that we've her ever with. seen was like the two of them and then it was ariana grande in her nickelodeon days with like a person in costume as spongebob <laughs> it, that sent me into orbit i um those were so good and then also and i don't know when this wonderful woman on tiktok started making her videos but i feel like she became really viral in 2023 so i'm gonna count it um but just just the phrase everybody's so creative i love that woman so much i love her so much and truly I yes so often the way that like my response to anything weird or bad is everybody's so creative <laughs> my favorite is when she's like put it in the oven at nine million degrees for four years <laughs> yeah <laughs> It won't make a difference. Um, like um, get your kids involved; they'll love doing this. So great, what about Kiki's house. Uh, <laughs> Do you see how yeah. that looks like something maybe we shouldn't have done? I say that all the time. That's me at Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> looks like something we maybe shouldn't have done. <laughs> um. Anyways, I I just want to say ahead of it ever coming out that the. Ariana Grande, Ethan Slater memes is far better content than the Wicked movie itself will be. Um, I mean, that's probably true, yeah. Jonathan Bailey innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it also, it's just such like, the two most theater kid things that occurred in 2023 were the film Theater Camp <laughs> and Ariana Grande going for Ethan Slater because he was like the straight guy there. <laughs> truly it, it really does give the one straight boy in your, in your musical theater program in high school i actually once did have a very casual conversation with frankie grande about hamilton incredible i was My walking down the street and i saw him, him and he he just i don't know i looked up and i saw it was him and i don't know why i did this but i went hi frankie i don't know why i did that but that's what i said and from where I was walking, I think he thought I had just gotten out of Hamilton. And I hadn't. <laughs> um, and he was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. This was 2015. Hamilton was brand new. Um, and he was like, that was. That is very important context. Thank you. Well, yeah. I think it would be weird if I bumped into Frankie Grande in 2023. And he was like, that was amazing. Coming out of Hamilton. I'd be like, you're a little late, buddy. Um <laughs> And he goes, that was amazing. And I go, right? And he goes, I can't even. And I go, have a good night, Frankie. And he goes, you too. And I just go. <laughs> have a good night, Frankie. I don't know why. Again, <laughs> I just say things that I'm like, Lex, where'd that come from? 
Have a good night, Frankie. I think about that often. <laughs> when Joe Perry kills him I in three, I think, have a good night, Frankie. Here's the thing about that, Lexi. He probably was like left that interaction going. That girl was so familiar, like to with me. Where did I know her from? Because I was so <laughs> casual about it. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like I wasn't like, "Are you Frankie Grande?" I was like, "Hey, Frankie," like, as if I knew him. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I don't know. I love that, but it worked. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if I have any <laughs> I have pop culture moments um, that happened in 2023. I mean, but... I have a pop culture moment that happened in 2023, but we've kind of already talked about it. What is I don't it? know if this is one that I want to like. <laughs> the the announcement of the replacements for Sweeney Todd. Oh, yeah. That, no, was, that, was... that was a moment. That sure was a moment. This wasn't a pop culture moment in the sense that it didn't get widespread attention, but it's deeply important to me, and I okay. think about it every day, and I I don't know if I'm going to say it, but I, I guess I will, Um, and that has been Barnes giving a oh, performance, and he decides to show everyone his magic trick. Where if Flex. you Gary to say Lumos, it'll do the flashlight, but his won't work. And I think about so it every day. Is if you just <laughs> hit the flashlight when the home so no. So no, I I think about that three to four times a day. Actually. I think about that literally every time I open my phone. Um, <laughs> It's just so, and this didn't come out in 2023, but um, I discovered Ben Barnes's pirate song in 2023. I know all the words to it. I will sing it on the drop of a hat. I'm going to buy, I really actually, this is not a joke. I want to buy a DJ setup like so bad and I want to like try my hand at DJing. <laughs> And I'm going to do a mashup of Pirate Song by Ben Barnes and the Shame oh God. Song from Big Mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I saw this girl on TikTok. She had one and she was doing a mashup of Mr. Brightside and Kelly um, Kelly Osborne going, if you get called the Latinos out of this country, who will be cleaning your toilets, Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> That was the matchup she had going. Okay, but when you become a DJ, can you make me a mashup of Ben Barnes's pirate song and Tom Hiddleston's song from the Tinkerbell movie that he was? No, in? that's my one. That's my one restriction. Um, no, Tom Hiddleston allowed. I'm sorry. Well, what about the Captain Hook song from the Once Upon a Time musical episode? Oh, oh my god! We'll, we'll look at it. I need a good, like, listen, I bet I could do a wonderful matchup of Pirates the, and Wild Uncharted wa- charted Waters. Look, like, Wild that's it, that's Uncharted what I want. Waters, that's here you go. You really shouldn't have brought up Captain Hook from Once Upon a Time. <laughs> that's I, the dreams. It's literally, like, that's all I'm going to be thinking of <laughs> until I go to it's all you should think about honestly. I mean it's one of those things like Colin Morgan in that eyeliner with that mm-hmm. hair is just like 
tell you what, he's in the culture forever cabinet. in the culture cabinet. He he stays there. By God, I now I might need to go to YouTube and find some compilations. Um, anyways, when I get my DJ set up, I'm gonna do a matchup of um a Joe song. I'd have to think about which one and Pirate Song by Ben Barnes. Incredible. I'm gonna do a mashup of Shame from um, Big Mouth and Murder on the Dance Floor. It's gonna be great. Listen, and that will be the real theme song of Salt. You you know what you should do is you should do a mashup of the Pirate Song with um, Vigilante shit. Hmm, good one. Oh, unfortunately, DJs right? are a bit expensive. I didn't realize this. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> this is really upsetting to me because I really wanted one. You just need to like watch some videos about uh how to use garage. Band. Yeah, I'm gonna have to just yeah, like... garage band wizard. Y'all are gonna yeah. come visit me, and there's gonna be no lights on in my room. I'm just gonna be me like hunched over my computer, being like, I'm making art. <laughs> It's, just like, it. it's a murder on the shame shame <laughs> but you know what i love art and i love people that make art lex so you go on with your bad self I'm make all a, the music you can i'm gonna do a, i'm gonna do josh groban singing epiphany and at the end he's gonna be like i'm alive at last and i'm full of shame shame <laughs> I don't know why does that like shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna like do. That, that I'm right. gonna do. It's. A, I'm gonna do a little priest, and every time he's like, "What's that?" She's gonna be like, "It's shame." <laughs> a little shame. It's shame. I would pay the big Try a little shame. <laughs> Try Pay a little attention, lit it shame. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies in their shame. <laughs> I really like that everything comes back to Sweetie Todd for us on this project. It really does. Sweetie Todd and Big night. Mouth, that's what it's all about. The culture cabinet is actually in Sweeney Todd's uh, barbershop. Barbershop, it's <laughs> true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's where it lives. It's, uh, well, does anyone else want to point out anything about 2023 they enjoyed? I think it may be time to <laughs> the part close the I am, cabinet listen, for when 2023. I start, when I start mashing up Big Mouth and Sweeney Todd, it's... Yeah, it's no, yeah. no, no, I have one last... Wait, is there any, up. like, is there any Disney amusement park things that should go in the culture cabinet for 2023, or was it all horrible, Nicole? Um, the closing of Splash Mountain. Okay, if cabinet. you're... I'm sorry, if you're someone who's, like, really upset about Splash Mountain, um... You're weird. <laughs> because here's the thing, Dan. You're I don't know if you if you've read all the stuff on this. They're just reskinning it. Like the I, yeah, goes, that's what yeah, I know. Ride. Like people made a whole big deal about it and it was like they're just and I'm like, putting a different theming. Like And now we have an excuse to have beignets in every park. <laughs> yeah. Like move over Disneyland. Disney World can get beignets <laughs> now. Let's think about the real important stuff. Um, but also, like as a historian, I'm I'm glad to see this whole song of the south thing go. 
Uh, I'm kind of not because you know what? I think Disney should always remind people that they were used to be a little racist. Yeah, honestly, though, like them replacing it specifically with Princess and the Frog feels. Although like, that is kind of beautiful. It kind of feels yeah. like reparations. I'm yeah, it, yeah. Listen, it doesn't um, take much to get me on a rabbit hole, but um, if you ever want to hear me just talk your ear off, I mean, just become friends with me. But um, also, I have this weird thing where I I know like all the history behind Song of the South and. We'll break it down. Yeah. Let us know if that's an episode you want to see. It's, it's Dan and I actually aren't there. It's just like it's just me. And I'm like, hi, it's solo show. So we're gonna be talking about when the NAACP told Walt Disney what not to do, and he was like, Do that, got it. Um <laughs> but um no, but the, the 2023 thing that I wanted to to close out on. Um, celebrating is actually the launch of Culture Cabinet. Um, thank you to everyone who has listened to our very chaotic podcast episodes, who has read our reviews and features. Um, we've got a lot more coming in 2024. We're very oh. excited for everything. I just forgot something. I just what? forgot something that has to go in the Culture Cabinet because. What? And it was something that was very special to me this year. Um, be, the The fact that we all wrote little reviews of Strange Way of Life was one of my favorite things that I that did so all year. And I just need to say that their their costumes <laughs> that that mm-hmm. Ethan and Pedro's costumes mm-hmm. from Strange Way of Life are in the culture cabinet. Pedro's green jacket. My god. My god. Gay cowboys are in the culture Gay, truly, <laughs> truly. Because I also, I did see Brokeback Mountain in London this year, so um, gay cowboys um, of all form. <laughs> Alright, well, I must retire. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's past my bedtime. She needs uh, to go dream dream her good dreams of Remus Lupin. I sure will. Um, Dan, before we head out, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, of course. You can find me on the uh, social media website formerly known as Twitter at Dancing Tan on Film. And you can follow uh, my uh, personal short thoughts on movies and Letterboxd at Dance and Dan. You can also find my more long-form reviews um, on Culture Cabinet occasionally, and also on Next Best Picture and Awards Watch. Nicole, where can people find you? So, you can find me occasionally still on Twitter at Nicole Ackman 16 the day of recording. Uh, I discovered is actually my 10-year anniversary of that account. Um, to say nothing of the fact that I had an account before that, um, but I actually did delete Twitter off my phone, so I'm not on it as often these days. Um, I am over on Instagram a little bit more regularly, uh, at Nicole Ackman 16 there as well. And I am logging films on Letterboxd. I just created my 2024 movies list on Letterboxd. Um, also at Nicole Ackman 16. I'm also on TikTok at Nicole Brittany 16. 
Um, I'm thinking about maybe maybe making some more movie content over there. Not like making movies, like making content about movies. So You're making we'll a short see. film. I'm starring in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've I've actually posted many short films with me and Lex on my TikTok. Um, I think that's it. Otherwise, you can find me at Awards Watch at FF2 Media and at Culture Cabinet. You can find me on Twitter for in the times that I think that it's fun to be back on Twitter. Um, and then I see things that I'm like, never mind, I'm, I'm leaving again. Um, but for those <laughs> moments where I decide to be on there, I'm at, at Lex Willie, W-I-L-L-I underscore. And that is also my Instagram handle. Um, and you can follow me on TikTok at, at Moonshoes Lexi. My letterbox handle is not Lex Willie, thought it was. Don't remember what it is, though. Um, so, you know, oh, well. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on this lovely episode of Culture Cabinet. Um, stay tuned for more exciting things down the pipe. And until then, have a good night, Frankie. <laughs>